My name is Mark Reed Bulatovic and I'm here with Callum Coomber. Together we form the duo Besingenda Gedaland and we're currently in the process of writing an album. In this series, Wordlanda, we speak to a guest every week who has some connection to the landscape in their day-to-day practice. Today we're joined by the Mexican-Scottish poet and vocalist Patrick Romero. His poems have appeared recently in magazines in Scotland and the UK such as Poetry Scotland, Bella Caledonia and Gutter. He writes about hitchhiking, outdoorsiness and his bicultural upbringing between Edinburgh and central Mexico. He also co-founded and now edits the poetry journal Wet Grain. Welcome Patrick. I know you've confessed to being an outdoorsy person. How does this affect your work? I think maybe the, the way I see it is that I'm very interested in the way that we go outdoors in contemporary society. I think that the kind of elaborate sort of charade of, of going to the temple of like Taizos uh, and kind of, you know, driving for hours uh, to go up a hill. Um, it seems on, if you kind of, if you step outside it, you kind of break it down into those components. It seems quite a strange thing to do. And it makes you wonder what kinds of ideas have um, informed that. Uh, and it's, it's in some ways such a kind of, it's an inherited thing as in, it's a kind of ideological thing, if you like, to to kind of go into the outdoors. But then also, I think that there's a sort of innateness to it as well. Something that draws us there that we can't help, and that is really um, sort of fundamental to our well-being and to our kind of sense of our p- place in the world um, as a species and as a as individuals. Uh, for sure, your poetry is concerned with this natural world and our contemporary view of it. Um, I just wonder what else poetry has to say in general about nature and the natural world. Poetry responds to ideas and to uh, events as society does. So as, as climate becomes more important and climate change becomes a pressing issue, um, poets will will respond to that. Um, but it's obviously it's involved in this kind of vocabulary based pathfinding thing where it's kind of throwing open new ways of speaking about natural environments or outdoor spaces, um, throwing throwing kind of concepts together uh, and that sort of making available and keeping language alive around a thing um, is, is really important to sort of thinking uh, to not getting uh, kind of bogged down in, in in dogma or in sort of more traditional sort of ways of 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 seeing um, the world, and if if we're going to change our approach to the outdoors, uh, or if we're going to change our relationship as a, as a species to to the natural world, then that kind of change and that the 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 possibility to think about things differently at the micro level of, of language and the way we describe them, um, it, I think, is is instrumental. So yeah, I suppose I suppose it's it's that it's a kind of like hypersensitivity to <laughs> the way things are coated in in ideas and language, um, and the way things look and how they actually relate to how you're feeling, how how you. Um, all of the kind of baggage that you're bringing, whatever, on a walk or on a climb, how they how they come together, and by by doing that, by kind of having that kind of critical conversation with yourself, making making those 
new ideas available. And so, yeah, in some cases, I guess it, even the kind of the actual substance of poetry makes it out into kind of common parlance. Like there are obviously when we think of coinage, we think of like Shakespeare and you know, making up words like assassin and whatever. But then um, on, a, on a kind of uh, backstage basis, it's, it's just kind of a, yeah, a, a sensitivity. That awareness uh, is really important. And that's like something I've definitely found personally, like learning about different species and things, or even learning the Latin names, which is, you know, it's just as, I don't know, it, you know, it's used in science, but it's, it doesn't have really that much practical use um, but just knowing that like having that little bit more of information like knowing the name of this thing uh, makes you notice it way more and makes you way more empathetic to you know this completely different species um, so I definitely agree that like the la language can totally do that yeah, and it's just it's, it's the relationship. I mean, as for us as as humans, communication is the is the the basis on which we kind of interact with one another. And if you're 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 opting to do that um, with things, whether it's a mountain or a, a you know uh, your pet dog, like you're you're opting to kind of have that kind of relationship. And and if you're um, sort of looking for new ways of sort of describing things and you're attentive to other other emotional states or, or kind of physical states that are informing the way you're apprehending this other being or this other phenomenon, then that, that relationship is changing and it doesn't sort of solidify into something, you know, kind of, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't solidify. And, and I suppose in, in the way that we, are faced with kind of climate changes because some of our some of our habits towards you know the natural world and its resources have solidified and we've kind of persisted in doing things that are harmful um, so I suppose in a way in a kind of long-winded way that's what poetry has to uh, has to say about nature but people you know obviously the relationship between poetry and nature goes way back so do you think there's been a resurgence in nature writing uh, recently as a consequence? As a consequence of climate change? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think poetry is just in that it's quite um, sort of minimalist in, in, the, in the tools that it requires and that kind of thing is really on the pulse of, of what happens in the world. Um, that doesn't mean that it has a main necessarily a mainstream appeal or a mainstream sort of outlet, but I think that poets are very quick to respond to what's going on in the world in society, and so yeah, I think I think undoubtedly there is a re resurgence of of kind of poetry that responds to the crisis and then uh, nature writing in general. Well, you mentioned the other day how we interact with the literature um, of the Romantic period and what that means today. Are you able to talk about that a little bit? So I think when we think about nature writing of, of the now, we're, we're referring to things which, which come after the, the Romantics, um, who in, in Britain were, were sort of responding to the kind of 
industrialization and the very rapid mechanization of, of society and they kind of turn to the natural world with a kind of new newfound uh, appreciation uh, and any anyone who's writing about nature today is indebted to them for the sort of the at least that perspective that willingness to 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 kind of look outwards to to the natural world there's a lot obviously of talk about the kind of pitfalls of over romanticization and um you know anthropomorphizing non-human beings and um their their kind of criticisms that have been levied at the romantics and setting up this kind of dichotomy between the sort of sensitive educated man and nature and and that kind of relationship is uh, one which maybe is not as relevant now but at least the kind of um, sensibility and and the kind of eco-focused perspective uh, yeah arises or kind of went through a big revolution at that point um so yeah the poet poets and writers now i suppose um resist some of those ideas about the human versus the non-human and this but they're also very much writing out of it yeah we just wanted to ask how the awareness of belonging to two cultures either side of the atlantic affect your work um specifically within ecology so on one level i think it comes back to the kind of um sensitivity to language and the way different languages will uh overlap in a lot of cases you'll find you'll find that there are kind of concepts and and things that line up completely uh, and other things that completely don't match i always think of like slovene as a much more onomatopoeic language and really so it has yeah so that it's descriptive in a much more auditory way than english because english is mm. is we have a lot of words for things but the, you know there's not necessarily that much you know other than swoosh bang kind of <laughs> well spanish spanish is a, is a very kind of a, a, a elusive language it's one that kind of alludes to things a lot so you have in spanish this is one that was sticking in my head the other day was the word for the morning briefing that the president gives is mañanera and anything can be a mañanera it just means one of the morning so like you can have a dominguera which is one of the sunday uh, and people just kind of know that mañanera refers to the president's morning briefing but you put it in a different context you say like you know you put it in a different context and and that word meaning one of the morning means something completely different whereas in english you have the specific morning briefing i don't know if that's a very kind of um enlightening example <laughs> but in, you, you have in, in in english this very specific kind of wording for you know whatever a public um service announcement yeah yeah, yeah this this notice uh, whatever thing and then in spanish it's kind of casual <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but that kind of elusiveness, it kind of testifies to uh, a, a kind of lyricism within the within the language, which is quite cool. And um, so, on a linguistic level, you have that. That's that's um, part of part of what the dual dual culture 
thing does but then also I suppose spending lots of time in very differing environments with very differing individuals just makes you kind of sort of it decenters your 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 relationship to to a setting you know um you have sort of within you carry around within you this awareness of how on the other side of the world people are interfacing with with their surroundings in a very different way for better or worse um and i think that's quite um that's quite important it's it's um to me at least being kind of too faithful to one particular way of of kind of living uh, can be harmful so that kind of awareness of of another culture is quite helps helps remind remind me of that i guess so that i guess taking the the idea of pursuing strangers or the different or you know kind of different ways of thinking about the world to its to, to, to the end i i guess is hitchhiking in some ways i know that you've done done that a lot um, and incorporated that into your poetry how how does that work well uh, hitchhiking ticks all of the boxes for me because well first off it's a really handy kind of literary device because it means that you can introduce characters out of the blue without too much hassle or like set up you know you can just all it takes is a thumb <laughs> yeah and this this yeah the thumb the, the the surprise is is um is kind of anticipated in a way just because of the because of the form but um so yeah there's that but then i think also this kind of the possibility it throws open to kind of spend a short time with someone who might be completely different to you in their outlook um on the basis of kind of generosity or this act of generosity is really i just in in my experience has just been quite uh humanizing i think and very shaping and and kind of allowed me to kind of view my own my own beliefs or my own sort of ideas about things in in different in different ways uh so i think that it has something to offer maybe in in our in a society that's kind of like less uh what's the word not inclusive but it's kind of like uh increasingly alienated people are especially you know especially during lockdown people are spending less time together when you when you hitchhike you commune even even if you don't like the person you're you're kind of encouraged to ask them about their lives and encouraged to ask them about current events uh so that yeah you have you have these different uh, takes on things so uh on on a social level that's that's why i find it quite appealing uh and then also there's the fact that it kind of for it leaves you you know you're left on a roadside by somewhere between the natural and the urban um you're kind of stuck by roadsides but you're often you're out in in some kind of landscape that's kind of semi 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 wild or or rural uh in a way yeah. that is it's not normally interacted with because you're on a layby or you're at the side of the AA2 or whatever so it it kind of aesthetically is quite interesting i think you have all of the kind of dirtiness and uh kind of polluted 
connotations of the road and all of the kind of elusive romantic imagery that we associate with mm. the highland the grouse moors on the other so like but then you're you're totally relying on the dirty road right that's what you're it's like you're it's like your vein back to where you're trying to go you know you 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 can't you, you would not be in that place if it wasn't for the road yeah 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 i mean yeah on one level it's kind of it's the typical escapism of of of, of romanticism uh, but on the other is one which kind of i mean yeah relies on all of these dirty industries uh, and and kind of i don't know i think that that sort of it has to be it has to be acknowledged and it has to be incorporated into the kind of the stories and uh, the stories that we tell and the aesthetics that we create about the natural world or our relationship to it. Do you want to read something of, of your own poetry to us? I think I'll read the introduction from a longer piece I've been working on, uh, which maybe speaks to some of what some of the things I was saying about hitchhiking earlier. Um, this is um, this is from Lift. A thump of the road south catches nothing, just unsettled looks from a trio of leisurely swimmers that slowly rise and dry the sound from their hair, fold towels, fold into each other's arms, gaze. Morning, amping up in radio breakfast shows, engines, the horns of commuters and early seagulls freeze me to waken. Reverb is soak as the lifts pass by in a pitch bend, a low rise and breeze block. A finger a land in the sound pointing north, a sail a gull over the mesh clung crag, a swither, a central divide to leap. Black sandbags, like beach seals. Well, awaken a lay-by outside end, not that Chris McCandless. Exposed in show, I'm posturing out goodwill, kindness. In my mind, it looks kind of like head up, but not proud. Extended arm, but not threatening. We're hand on heart, saying, I think like you. Now left. Wouldn't trust hands in pockets either. But no need for the guy who winds down a window, shouts bearded, armpit musty abuse that's lost on a gust truth and spun away forever, leaving only, you should be, au contraire fellow, still a bit early. Well, came here definitely out of a wavy sense to do sharply that, but tempering the radiance a surprise address that expects no answer and lungs legs fogs this fairness up. The point in this lay-by think, I suppose, is getting increasingly blunt with each logged route, each funny name I give a friendly picker up. Millionaire Hobbit, Salmon Farm, Out for a Drive, Allen, Music of the Squares, Nine Mile Bigfoot, etc. And the questions that still hang from the end of this thumb. Kind of holiday roughing it, but who for? Getting myself caught in a curb slack water, waiting for current, the creak in proverbs. No, proverbial creak. Adventure not even moderate, just meeting with a whole load of unsympathy. Ah, antipathy. Not wanting to get booed off this little bus stop stage. How many days since no words? Actually, how many days since I didn't say my own name and where I hail from? Hole up by bins for a sec. Drop rocky to roll shoulders, mirror the breakers on the beach next to nice swimmers. Used to me now, I guess. Well, haha, Jackie, right back. Maybe you'll think twice before asking Peter's love advice next time. A brush of heather blue nail on a freckled bicep. Eyes trace road. Something from someone about walking being action most conducive to thought. Rhythmic coalescence of breath, bipedal motion, well, not with kilos or long embankments, so ambiently. Horizon gazing being vertiginous, sometimes prefer to snake the contoured central divide. Note points of brilliance in its aluminium sheen to guess the weather, and a non-stop rendition of new pas bouger that carries me over into a petrol station for black coffee, where kerbwise sits snake in some more as the steam plumes aerobat silks in hard-to-believe ways, 
and the boiling mud stuff becomes a potion for abeyance of actual setting. Mental scenes don't stop, e.g. right from curb pillow last night, a hooded figure slumped with lager can, legs pendulum, pontoon end and street lamp spotlight. Ah, a poor old wayman, a poor downtrodden buffeted by a life's many outbounds. Confessing makes me nervy. Has he seen me? Accomplice joins. Gruff voices lacquered with spirits and weatherings, ex-mariners maybe. A calloused hand on a shoulder shared woes at the limit of hearing. When they stand and my wayman's not old at all, but very young, clean-shaven. Closer he laughs and it's a soft-spoken laugh. He's just drinking coke. Diet coke. Diet cherry coke. Bubbly gas to present think Thoreau's infinite mountain profiles in the Micah Glint Road. The ebb feathers of this paper cup and the recalky certainty of perspective shift. The real form of this bay cupping me, not even cartographic bird's eye, not even that funny word katascopos. So many, many ways to look at a thing I rev as I begin to trip the road combings. <laughs>